This is Stories of New Americans with Ron Clutho, featuring inspirational and fascinating personal stories of people from all corners of the globe who are now in St. Louis. We'll take a look at the U.S. through newcomers' eyes, get some insight into world history and cultures, and maybe learn something about ourselves. Stories of New Americans on News Talk STL. Welcome to uh, Stories of New Americans tonight. I'm here with my guest, Diana Koske, who is from Kenya. I'm glad to have you here. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. Um, Diana works as an interpreter, among many other things. In fact, she's interpreted for me with um, in Swahili language. And she's going to tell us about some of the other things she's involved with here and back home. Um, I guess maybe first for people who might be geographically challenged, can you describe exactly where Kenya is on the map, where in Africa we would find Kenya? Yeah, good question, because in the past uh, I've had people ask me whether Kenya was in Africa or Africa was in Kenya. Oh, you're kidding. Yes, but anyway. (laughs) Kenya is uh, in Africa. It's in the eastern part of Africa. Uh, it neighbors uh, Uganda to the west, uh, Tanzania to the south, Somalia to the east, and the northern part is uh, Sudan and Ethiopia. Would that be, is, is Kenya part of what they call the Horn of Africa, or is that mostly Ethiopia and Somalia? So the Horn of Africa is mostly Somalia and Djibouti. Okay. Yeah, partly uh the part that kind of looks like a horn sticking yeah. out into the sea. So, uh, Sudan and, I mean, um, Somalia and um, Djibouti. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And where, where in Kenya were you born? What, what part of the so country? I was born in the western part of the country. Uh, there's a small town known as Eldoret, which is towards the western part of the country. Uh, though my, my parents... Or my ancestors lived in the Rift Valley, in the base of the Rift Valley for many years until uh, when my mom was maybe a teenager, uh, they came up to the, to the escarpment uh, from the base of the uh, Rift Valley. So I was born in a little village there uh, by the name of Metke. And what, what is your first language. Is it Swahili or do you have another language? No, uh, all of us in Kenya, we actually have uh, several 43 ethnic groups with a total of 66 uh, languages. Mm. So my first language is Kalenjin. Kalenjin is my mom's, my mom's language, which also happens to my dad's language. Oh, that's convenient. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, that was my first time. So you grew up speaking Kalenjin? I grew up speaking Kalenjin. And uh, coincidentally, we had, you know, many neighbors from different other ethnic groups. Mm-hmm. So I was speaking Kalenjin. And even before I was a toddler, I was probably speaking three other languages uh, that I picked up from our neighbors. So you lived in a kind of a multilingual community then? Yeah, we, uh, so we, when my parents uh, 
moved from the Rift Valley. Then we actually, my, my parents bought land uh, in a different district where there were a lot of uh, different other ethnic groups that had bought land there. It was like a new settlement scheme mm -hmm. where all of us uh, were living with different other people who had migrated from different areas of the country. Well, is Swahili is kind of a, I guess you call it a lingua franca, a, a language that's used by many people in East Africa, but is it anybody's first language or do most people already have a, a mother language? Mother yeah, we have a community in Kenya that uh, whose first language is Swahili. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they live in the coastal area of Kenya. So this is a language that actually developed because of uh, Portuguese and uh, Arabic people and all that that discovered Kenya. <laughs> so it's kind of it's so it's kind of a mixture of I think it's related to Arabic too I think you it said is, it is. and it it's sort of uh, not really a quote unquote natural language but one that was it's like a pidgin language that was created for people to communicate with with each other from different nationalities right or right. different countries right yeah a lot of words are borrowed from different yeah. uh, languages like Arabic uh, Portuguese some English, yeah. all kinds of languages. You told me a funny joke about Swahili one time that I, when I, when I tried to tell it, it went over like a lead balloon, but could you, sure. <laughs> I thought it was funny, but could you tell it now and maybe explain it? The joke about Swahili is that uh, Swahili was born in Tanzania. It got sick in Kenya and it died in Uganda. <laughs> then it was buried in Congo. <laughs> no, so, okay. That, that tells you how bad language <laughs> goes from Tanzania all the way to Congo. So Tanzania is seen as the most, I guess, pure? Pure Swahili. Swahili, and then Congo, it's not so much. <laughs> yes. So uh, as I was saying, Swahili was uh, born in Tanzania, goes sick in Kenya. Uh, died in Uganda and buried in uh, Congo. <laughs> Just telling you, you know, the purity of the language uh -huh. until, uh, you know, its saturation in in uh, Congo. So somebody f would would somebody from Tanzania speaking Swahili be able to understand somebody in you say Congo, speaking it's, the same? It's a little bit challenging. The thing about. Uh, the Swahili in Congo is that they mix it with uh, different other languages. Yeah. You know, they mix with Lingala, mix with French, mix with the local dialects there. So it's very challenging. Even as an interpreter, while I was working as an interpreter, it was really difficult to understand the Congolese. Mm. But lucky enough, I lived in Burundi and there were a lot of Congolese. So I Yeah, we have a lot of Congolese in St. Louis now. Yes. And um, I think... Some of them speak Swahili, but that might not be their first language because they were living as refugees in Kenya before they came here, so they might have picked it up there. Yes, and some lived in uh, Tanzania. Okay. Well. Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned Lingala. So how many official languages does Kenya have? So we have two official languages. One is Swahili, the other is English. Okay. Did you grow up speaking English too? Or was that what you learned yeah, in school? by the time I was going to school... I already uh, knew some English. Okay. Yeah. Did you learn it from your family or from television or? Yeah, from just interacting with people, you know, my mm -hmm. family, uh, neighbors, uh, everywhere, church. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, because you know we have because of the diversity of uh, the communities there. Sometimes you find mass was in English, sometimes in Swahili, sometimes in Luya, mm-hmm. you know, different languages that were represented and where I was living. Growing up, you know, as a young child, just being exposed to all those languages, that, <laughs> I'm jealous of you. That's great because that's, it's so easy for kids to pick up languages. When you get older, I know from experience, the older you get, the harder it is to learn a new language. So that was just uh, you were just absorbing all these different languages and cultures. Exactly. We didn't think about it. We didn't even know that we were speaking so many languages wow. by the time we were in school. But now I try to learn a language like I've been trying to learn Chinese. It's not easy. Mm, no, it's not. I've been trying to learn Arabic. That's not easy yes. for me either. Now, Kenya is a former British colony, right? Yes. So was the school system based on the British system? Yes. Uh, Basically, the British system is what we, we followed. So th- like, can you talk um, about the, your school life, your yeah, elementary so school? The school year was like from January to December, hmm. so calendar year, which is still the case now. Uh, curriculum was mostly from, from the British, mm-hmm. what was left from, uh, you know, those days of uh, colonization. And many Kenyans went to study in in, uh, in the UK. Okay. You know, like to go to the university and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And was was the school, I guess, conducted in English? Did the teachers speak English? Or um, yes. So that was the main language. Uh, okay. F- from the time you go to school, but they, we also had Swahili as a language. You had to study Swahili and study English. But the teacher would yes. speak. English in yes, the all classroom. Yes, subjects were taught in English. Okay. Except Swahili. And did you have a lot of um, subjects to study at a time? I imagine that would be pretty demanding. Yes, we had a lot of languages. We had, I mean, subjects. We had uh, history. We had geography. Uh, of course, we had English, math, mm-hmm. um, and can't remember uh, civics. Uh, Chemistry, science, yeah. chemistry and all that as you mm-hmm. advanced, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what was your life like outside of school as a child? Did you, were you involved with sports or what type of hobbies yeah. or activities did you? So I was involved in uh, long distance running. Oh. I ran uh, long distance until high school. So I went to, up to the national level. I wow! International, but <laughs> you know, I was I was. Oh, I didn't. Good that's kid. great. I didn't know that about you. Yes, and I also played netball. What is netball? netball? Is is almost like uh, basketball. Oh, okay. So played essentially the same. Mm-hmm. You know, passing the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but not dribbling like the way basketball is done. But you pass the ball. You know, in the air. Mm. Then I was, given my height. I was always at the goal, you know, uh, doing the baskets. <laughs> Boy, I'm learning a lot about you today. <laughs> I didn't know yes. that. And then um, after you finished school, what what was what did you do? Did you go on to university or did you um, yeah, go to so, work? Yeah, uh, so after school, I went to a technical uh, college where I studied accounting. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that in your in your hometown, or did you have to go to a larger city for that? I went to uh, 
I, I actually went to live with my brother who was living in a, a different city. Mm -hmm. uh, the city is called Nakuru, which was uh, maybe about two or three hours from, uh, from our home. So uh, I studied accounting, and after that, um, I worked with the, with the university that was not so far away from home. It's one of the, let's say, the second university, largest mm -hmm. university in Kenya right now, Moi University. And I worked there for several years. Uh, during that time, I went to college. You know, I was sponsored by the university to go to college. Um, I studied business uh, administration. Uh, later on, I did uh, a master's degree in uh, business administration with a bias in human resources. Mm. Then I changed jobs and uh, went to work for uh, an agricultural bank that uh, was providing loan to loans to uh, for agriculture. Mm -hmm. I worked there for several years. And uh, from there, I moved to a private farm, a British farm. Farm? Yeah. It was a construction farm that was doing uh, construction of airports and roads in East Africa. So we had some projects in Kenya. We had some in Uganda, Tanzania. Did you travel around a lot with that job? Not really, because I was in accounting. So mm -hmm. I was mainly in the office. But mm. uh, I had a, a few opportunities to mm. travel. Did you travel in general in those days? Did, did you travel to other countries or did did you ever come to the United States? Yes, I did travel a lot. After I moved, especially from that farm, mm -hmm. and I went to work in the NGO world, you know, in the nonprofit sector. So I was given a job of finance and administration manager in the Africa region. So I traveled a lot. Uh, Part of my work was to build capacity for staff in different countries. Um, I worked in Europe. I worked in the, essentially the whole of Africa. I came to Boy. the U.S. Uh, wow. Headquarters was based uh, in Little Rock. Um, did you come to Little Rock, Arkansas? <laughs> oh, boy. Yes, I, I did visit our headquarters a few times. Did you ever come to St. Louis when you were traveling here? I actually, the, Just up the highway. first time I came to the U.S., I stopped in St. Louis for a few hours. You know, it was like my um, connecting flight was was here in St. Louis. And did you ever think you would, <laughs> did you ever think that you would wind up here? I never thought that. <laughs> okay, let's, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, you're listening to Stories of New Americans on 101.9, 94.1 News Talk STL. You're listening to Stories of New Americans on News Talk STL. Welcome back to Stories of New Americans. I'm here with Diana Koske. We're talking about um, growing up in Kenya before she came to the United States. When you were growing up and even when you were working, what was your impression of the United States? I know you didn't expect to come here. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But what, what was your image or what was your... Um, impression of life here, or what, what America was like. Yeah, so it was interesting on my part because um, 
I had the opportunity to travel to many areas of the of the world. Uh, you know, f living in the third world, uh, many people are always uh, looking forward to moving to developed countries. So I remember many people asking me whenever I traveled and came back to Kenya, why did you come back? No, you really? The US and came back, you should have remained there. And I'm like, no, 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 I, I really like my country. And of, obviously, I, I had a good job, you know, I was doing better than many people, and I was lucky in that sense. Uh, but that aside, uh, the first time I came to the US, obviously, I was so impressed, you know, uh, just seeing the vast of the country and people are generally really warm here compared to uh, people in Europe. Oh, so it was a good experience. Coming okay. to the US. <laughs> Glad to hear that. Okay. Yes, and uh, you know I love the roads. Up to now, I love the roads. It. Yeah, that is. What about the roads? The roads are just so good. You know, we don't have good roads. Uh, back in in Africa, mm. the roads are not well maintained. They are not uh, wide like here. You know, they are always prone to you know road problems, like mm -hmm. accidents and stuff like that. But I really enjoy driving here. <laughs> in fact, I'm usually the the family, the designated driver. Drive. Okay. <laughs> Well, mo I, I, I'm, do most people in, in Kenyan cities probably don't have cars? They, they would use buses or bicycles or? Yeah, most of, uh, we have public transport, you know, most, mostly buses and small uh, mm -hmm. minivans that people use for transport all the time. Mm -hmm. There is a train in the city, like in, in Nairobi, there's a, a train that people use to go to work. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so many people, you know, not everyone drives. The people that were wondering why you came back to Kenya, what, were they were they struggling themselves, or would, can you remember some of the people that mentioned that to you? Did they, what what was it that they wanted to come for specifically? Yeah, there is always just that uh, notion that uh, when you come to the U.S., you streets know, are you paved with gold money and stuff like that, which is not the case. Yeah. You know, one has to work really hard. The impression might not be what people think out there. Is it from what they saw in the movies, maybe, that they think everybody is rich here and has a swimming pool in the backyard and money grows on trees? Yeah, maybe uh, movies or from people who have uh, come here in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, obviously when people come here, they make money, more money than they make at home, and mm -hmm. maybe go, go back and invest. Kenyans mm. always go back and invest back home. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe buy property, uh, build good houses or things like those. So when those people at home see that, they think, they don't know what those people went through to actually uh, accumulate that mm -hmm. money that they came and, uh, and bought property. So, yeah. Okay. Well, now you obviously did come to the United States, ultimately. Can you talk about how that happened and when and why? Yeah, so uh, I mentioned that I was working for a nonprofit. Uh, the name is Hefa International at the time that I met David. and David is your husband. Yes, David is my husband. <laughs> so 
David had just moved in Kenya. He was like maybe one week old in Kenya. From America? No. He had moved from Rwanda. To but he is originally um, yes, from here. Yes, American. Yeah. So uh, I was attending a training that was uh, mandatory for, for my, my job. And he was attending the same training. It's a training for management of federal funds. Was working in the nonprofit uh, sector. We used to get uh, funding from uh, the U.S. government, from USAID, mm -hmm. and you are required to know the rules and regulations on how to 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 use the money, how to manage the money, to account for it. So there was a training that we had to attend. So I was attending one of those, and he was attending also. <laughs> okay. So that's how we met. Uh, it was a one week or long uh, training and we got to say hello, you know, socialize and have uh, tea together whenever there were breaks. And then midweek, there used to be like a special dinner that is taken by the uh, facilitators of the, of the training. And we went to this restaurant that serves uh, game meat. It's called the Carnival. The Carnivore. So, yeah, it's a very popular uh, <laughs> restaurant in Kenya. So we went there and uh, coincidentally was seated not, you know, like next, uh, next to me. And we go to chat and, you know, exchange numbers. Uh, and shortly after that, we went out for a drink and then we went for dinner. And, you know, it's been now uh, about 22 years since I met him. Mm. Yeah, we got married 19 years ago. Was that in Kenya or here? Yeah, in Kenya. Mm -hmm. yeah. Does he speak Swahili well? He speaks, David is pretty good with languages. So he picks up languages whenever he goes to any country and he really picked up Swahili. Mm. He's not that good, but <laughs> he can follow the conversations. But he's very fluent in uh, French. Mm. Yeah. And he, he said he was in Rwanda too? Yes, that's why he was in Rwanda and many other uh, French-speaking countries. What kind of work was he doing there? He was working for Catholic Relief Services mm. when I met him. So after we got married, then uh, we moved to other countries. We first moved to Ethiopia, where he was uh, working as the deputy country director. And I was commuting. My job was in Africa region, so it didn't matter where I was living. Oh. So I was in Ethiopia, but I was working for the same nonprofit. And after that, we moved to West Africa. We lived in the Gambia. Oh, wow. Uh, from, and he was working uh, for the Gambia and Senegal. He was the country director at the time. And I was working for Hefa International. Then from there we moved to Burundi, and from there we moved to Madagascar. Oh my gosh! <laughs> wow. Yeah. So our kids, especially my older daughter, she she got to go to school uh, to the American schools though. In these it various countries, country okay. Yeah. What was Madagascar like? I would love to go there sometime. Madagascar yeah. is a great country. It's so fascinating. It has very unique uh, wildlife that is not found in other countries like Kenya and other places. Uh, the people are so warm. They're so friendly, so welcoming. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, 
they they speak French because of uh, colonization with Fra France and. Um, But they speak Mal they call it Malagash they call, also. Yeah, they speak Malagash. And it's a really interesting culture. It seems like it's a it's a mixture of a lot of different. Races, right, and nationalities, and right. cultures, and languages. Right. Yeah, and also being an island, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's very unique. Yeah. Yeah, and um, it's very rich with with minerals, but unfortunately, it's so exploited. Oh. So there is a lot of poverty there. Oh. Yeah. Exploited by whom? By other international countries. Okay. Yeah. I I had a. When I was teaching, I had a student who was a La Salette priest from Madagascar. He was studying here in St. Louis, and um, the other teacher said, this guy's going to be Pope one day. He was, he was so charismatic. Um, but he, that's, you know, that was my first exposure to Malagash culture and yeah. music and everything. So, yeah, I didn't know you'd live there, too. That's interesting. Yeah, they have such a, a rich culture. And then... Yeah. Any other countries before the United States? Uh, no, I, I just used to work and go back, like okay. you know, Netherlands, go back, and Rwanda, wherever. I, I used to work for a, a few months at a time or just go there for a few weeks and go back. Well, then when was David, um, I guess, when did he get transferred back to the United States, or how did that happen that you finally wound up here? Yeah, so... Uh, His job ended there in, uh, in Madagascar. And at that time, I did not have a job either. Mm. So we decided to come back to the U.S. temporarily while we looked for jobs in Africa because we really wanted to go back. Oh, really? Is he from uh, he's this from area? Oh, okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, obviously we are still here. It's almost 10 years now. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, you both got jobs. So he's working here now in Jefferson City? Well, he was working in Rolla for some Rolla. years. But now he's back in St. Louis. He works for uh, a private uh, company that does uh, contracts for MSD. Can you, I, I know you've been to the United States before in your travels, but when you moved here, what what were the, How was that? Well, how was it a smooth transition? Were there cultural challenges? Were there difficulties? Were there any, any maybe some funny stories about <laughs> adjusting to a new life? Yeah. So when we moved here, uh, first of all, both of us did not have jobs, and well, it took a while for us to be able to get jobs. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a big challenge. Uh, I remember us discussing about our our kids, you know, where they we always wanted our kids to go to the Catholic school, but uh, we could not uh, justify putting both, both of them in the Catholic school at the time. So we had to put uh, our older daughter in the public system and put the younger one in uh, the Catholic school so so that she could have a foundation mm. of the Catholic system. Uh, it took a while for, for us to get reasonable jobs. You know, when I met you, I was an interpreter. So I did interpreting for some years, but it was not a full-time job. <laughs> it was a job, you know, 
where you take up jobs whenever they are available. Mm-hmm. And Swahili is not one of the popular languages where you have a lot of work like Spanish, for example. Uh, eventually, I connected with uh, a nonprofit based here in, the, in uh, St. Louis that was uh, founded by a couple. Uh, but they have been doing work in other countries, you know, like about 15 countries around the world. So right now, I'm still working with them. In fact, I'm now full-time working there with yeah. them. Are you doing interpreting on the side also? As kind of on, so on call? I've not been doing as much interpreting as I used to. Mm-hmm. But whenever, during my spare time, I do uh, interpreting and but mostly translating because written translation yeah I can do that yeah. at night or something yeah so that's what I'm I'm now doing you know working for that uh, nonprofit and I, I really like them it's a great organization it's been so great so good to me and I'm just so humbled to be working with them now when you came here what was your immigration status? Did you come? So when I came here 10 years ago, I, I just came on visa. Okay. Yeah, so I was like a visitor for... When you came with David? When I came with David, yeah. But you came legally since you were married to him and you had the yes. proper visa. Mm-hmm. So I got my visa. Uh, I remember going to the... Uh, U.S. Embassy in Madagascar to get my visa mm. at that time, and uh, the people who were processing my visa there was like, uh, you've been going to the U.S. for so long, you're married to a U.S. citizen, why do you keep applying for visas? Why don't you just apply you know, <laughs> for permanent residency or something? And I was like, I really love my country, Kenya. I don't think that I want to uh, process being uh, part of any other country at this time. <laughs> so I came here on visa, and uh, in the process of being here, it expired. Mm. <laughs> so we had to renew. We had to apply to renew it. And uh, after a while, I just got tired of renewing, and I decided to um, apply for residency. Yeah, well, I got permanent residency. For for a for, which is supposed to to take about ten years, I think you know that, and uh, I think we were traveling to France when my daughter was uh, participating in the band that was uh, commemorating the seventy five years of D Day, so she went to the school band to go and perform there, and. Um, we decided, well, instead of me continuing to get visas, like to go to France or whatever, it's always not easy to do that. Then I decided to apply for citizenship. Did you complete that yet? I did complete, and I've been a citizen now for probably five, six years. Okay. And was that uh, process <laughs> challenging? We, you know, we place I used to work at helped um, people with that process. And it's, you know, I, I it, for people who don't know, it, it in, entails an interview in which applicants are expected to be able to answer questions about American history and civics and geography. Um, even for, I, I read somewhere that people that 
were native born Americans, if they had to take this test, maybe 30% would take, would pass it because it's pretty challenging. So you probably had studied that stuff in Kenya, but was it, was it difficult for you to get through that? No, it was not because even during, um, the time when I was, uh, an interpreter, I used to interpret for immigrants. Oh, who of course. You were, you were getting, to become you were studying along the way. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So my, when my time came, I studied the a hundred questions. Very yeah. Well, hundred questions. Yes. And, uh, when I went for my interview, I passed it the first time. Good for you. There are a hundred questions that you have to be able to answer when you go for the interview. They're going to ask you 10 and you have to answer at least six correct. And yes. so, you know, you don't know which of those 10 yeah, is yeah. going to be the, which of those hundred, the 10 would be from. Exactly. Okay. Well, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about your life these days and what, what you're doing in St. Louis. Um, you're listening to stories of new Americans on 101.9, 94.1 news talk STL. This is Stories of New Americans on News Talk STL. Welcome back to Stories of New Americans. I'm here with Diana Koske. She was telling me that she had become an American citizen. I wonder what about your daughters? You have two daughters, I think, right? I have. Were they, they were not born here, were they? They were born in Kenya. Okay, what's their status then? And uh, they are dual citizens, right from birth. Uh, they got both their uh, passports, the Kenyan and the U.S. Uh, passport, when they are only five days old each. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So because, they, because their father is American? Was that yes, how they... Because okay. because their dad being an American and because of me being a Kenyan, and of course they were born in Kenya. So they were dual citizens before me. Wow. Are, they, are you raising them bilingually here? I am trying. <laughs> it's not easy. Yeah. Yeah, it was easier when we were in, in Africa. Uh, yeah. But when we came here, obviously, you know, they tend to speak more English. And uh, I think it reaches a certain age when they are just shy to speak the, their native language. Yeah, that happens. But then when they get older, they're going to appreciate it, I think. Exactly. Like my older daughter now appreciates and she's putting in more effort to learn mm-hmm. Swahili. Is she actually learning? Is it yes. Just from like in a, in a study or a class or just from talking to you at home? From the internet and oh. from, you know, talking to me. Are there places in St. Louis to, are there Swahili classes offered anywhere? Do you know? Uh, not very uh, developed, but uh, one can find a teacher in uh, in Swahili. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is an organization by the name of Vitendo. Uh, Geoffrey, who is mm-hmm. uh, the founder of Vitendo, uh, organized for some professors in, in Swahili to visit. So we had a meeting and we actually started the Swahili uh, club. Oh. So we are trying to to make sure that that is going to work, but it's just in a the conversation club. club. Yes, it's in the initial stages. Okay, tell us more about this Vitendo. I, I Vitendo, I think the full name is Vitendo for Africa, right? Yes, Vitendo and for Africa. Jeffrey, who founded it, Jeffrey, is Kenyan. Yes, Jeffrey is is a Kenyan, and uh, the services that they offer are really good because 
that is where every African that comes to St. Louis gets a footing. If you come to, uh, to St. Louis and you get in touch with the Vitendo, then you are in the right hands because they'll show you exactly what to do, wh where to go. Uh, they'll help you with resources. They will help you in many, many ways. So they help the immigrants that come from Africa in settling down and uh, finding you know, jobs, finding kidding. jobs, finding English uh, classes, mm -hmm. uh, finding housing, everything that they need, literally, mm -hmm. uh, getting health insurance. And for those people who cannot afford uh, health insurance, they normally organize to get um, free services like dental checkups or vision and other things. So they do an excellent job of just making sure that uh, immigrants are taken care of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How many Kenyans do you think are in St. Louis now? At the moment, we have maybe about 8,000 Kenyans. 8,000? Yeah. In St. Wow. Louis alone. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I'm assuming that people that come from Kenya are, are they came as immigrants as opposed to refugees. Yes. The majority, maybe 99.9 percent, .9 yeah, came by choice. Yeah, maybe most of them come here as students, uh -huh. go to the university. Yeah, uh, some of them come here because of work. Yeah. So Kenyan or immigrants who come here don't—they're expected to be self-sufficient, self-supporting. As you know, um, whereas refugees, we've, we've had some guests on the show who came as refugees and, you know, th those people came because they were forced out um, due to their, maybe their Status, yeah, ethnicity or religion, you know, war. Mm -hmm. And they do receive a limited amount of, of assistance, very limited amount of assistance from the government. But um, I'm, Kenyans, um, as you said, they're mostly immigrants, so they're, you know, they're Yes, they so hit the ground running. Come, uh, mostly to school. Mm -hmm. The majority come to go to school. Yeah, either their bachelor's degree or some of them come for masters or PhD. And, and I'm sorry. Yeah, in the event maybe they continue living here instead of going back home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You talked. You told me actually. You invited me to an event which I wasn't able to go to last weekend. Um, with at a church which is sort of like the quote unquote you called it the African church the Catholic African church with um, Swahili and French services can you yes. talk about that so this is St. Nobat uh, Parish in uh, Florissant uh, that is who is hosting us now as uh, the African Catholics uh, they have a, an African ministry uh, there is Father Peter who, who comes from uh, Nigeria. He's the one who is really interested in making sure that uh, the Africans are taken care of, you know, the Catholic Africans are taken care of and uh, the ministry is is uh, vibrant. So we, we normally have uh, masses in Swahili and we have in uh, French. We are looking forward to having more in uh, other dialects like, um, you know, some local languages in Africa. So th this, you're calling this like an African church. It's it's not only Kenyan, but it's 
people from many African countries that yeah. join together? Yes, so they come from different uh, countries in Africa. Any Catholic from any part of, of Africa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why we have different languages, uh, mass yeah. in different languages. And then, mm-hmm. of course, there are other churches that are not Catholic that mm-hmm. host other Africans, uh, Protestant churches that are also in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are the majority of Kenyans here Catholic, would you say? I would say it's almost half and half. Yeah, but uh, because of uh, not having a good base uh, as Catholics, because, you know, like uh, the parish that was uh, hosting us in the past closed down and we didn't have Mm -hmm. a home and most people tend to go to the Protestant church, even if they are Catholic, they they attend the Protestant church. services that's interesting you said that one of the priests is, or maybe the new priest will be from Nigeria or he's there now at the yeah, church the, the priest that is uh, the pastor there in uh, St. Norbert is from Nigeria Nigeria is in West Africa and so I mean I'm, Nigeria and Kenya yes they're both African countries but I'm sure they're as different culturally as Ireland is from Russia very true. So, I mean, I think a lot of people kind of lump Africa, all African countries together, um, and it's extremely diverse. So, is, is there, um, are they together because there are not enough people from any one particular country to have their own church, or do you do you want to be together to celebrate together? Yeah. The, so the 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 founders of of this uh, association that we belong to, which is the St. Louis International. Um, Catholic community uh, had the vision of, you know, bringing together all the Catholic uh, Africans that live in St. Louis. They they wanted to bring them together so that we live, you know, we share together as Africans. We have um, diverse cultures, but we also have unifying things like English, for example, uh, or French. Uh, that bring us together. Mm-hmm. And in general, anyway, the African culture is not that, that diverse. You'll fit in no matter where you, you are from Africa. Yeah, so we live kind of community life. All of us, we like to live uh, community life, sharing things together. Uh, so, Yeah, so you, you, you would find that in, I, I think you'd find that in a lot of, not just African countries, but most countries in the world i think the people that i've met kind of you know they're more community oriented than a lot of people here i think and family oriented are there other things about living in kenya that you miss here and other cultural things that you just don't see here yeah so um right now for example we meet just once a month or twice a month because of the Swahili and the French mass uh, there at Saint Norbert, but the rest of the of the weeks in the month we normally go to our own parishes that where we live. Oh, okay. So that's one thing that we really miss because you go to church there and it's so like so solemn and so quiet and oh. you know there's no African vigor where you really sing and dance in the church and you know. That's one thing that we, we really miss, and that's why 
people are so eager every month to go to that mass mm. because, you know there's african music and uh, it's so vibrant so i'm sure that's open to the public maybe some yeah, people it's, it's open listening might like to go is it saint norbert's church in florissant and I guess on their website, they could find out when the when these different language services are held, I'm sure, right? Yes. And we are also trying to uh, work with the uh, diocese. The diocese is helping us to uh, make it known to everyone in the diocese mm-hmm. that we have that Swahili Mass on the first weekend of the month. And the third weekend for now is this uh, French Mass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but... If, if one was to go online, they would find it on okay. St. Norbert. And everyone is uh, welcome. We are trying to reach out to schools, especially schools, high schools that offer French. Mm. Oh, that's uh, a good idea. To invite students and the teachers and everyone mm-hmm. and letting everybody know that they, they are welcome. What, what can you say about... Um, living in St. Louis now, I'm living in America now. I always like to ask people from other countries what their impressions are of of life here. And many times they notice things that we don't notice ourselves. But is there anything that you've noticed, good or bad, about <laughs> about life yeah, here? One thing that I, I really admire the Americans for, um, you know, other countries normally see America as really rich. You know, you want to maybe to get their projects uh, sponsored by America and stuff like that. But one thing, especially working with this nonprofit, is that every American tries to give, Mm. to give something to their community or to help someone. So like where I work, there are donors where uh, a donor, you know, an able donor might give us $10,000 or $100,000, but there is that one donor that gives $1 because of their earnings capacity. But everybody normally has that uh, social responsibility where they feel like they Mm. they have to give to help someone else. Mm -hmm. That's something that doesn't, is lacking in the rest of the world. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I'll take that. I really admire that of America. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Well, let's end on that note. I'm getting the high sign from the producer that we're ti- our time is running out, so that's a good word, good place to end it. But, Diane, I want to thank you very much for coming down here and sharing your story. And, again, people can look at St. Norbert's um, Catholic Church website if they'd like to go attend one of these services. Um, thanks again. You've been listening to Stories of New Americans on 101.9, 94.1 News Talk STL. Thank you. Oh, no.